We looked last time at uh, some contrasts, and I'm going to look at some more contrasts today, but between the religious leaders who hated Jesus, they were jealous of him, and they they wanted to kill him. And in contrast with Mary, who loved him, and we saw she loved him extravagantly. She just poured it all out for him and to him. She came, and she worshiped him, and, and we see, if you look at Mary, the life of Mary, she was always at his feet, sitting and listening to what uh, he had to say, and, and what an example that is for you and I to sit at the feet of Jesus, and we have times in our lives where we just are quiet and listen and sit at the feet of Jesus. Perhaps because of that, she understood more than anyone that his death was coming. It was coming soon, and she, it says she, Jesus said she prepared him for the day of his burial by this perfume that she poured so uh, willingly and she did not hold back and the fragrance it says filled the whole house and when we worship and when we are uh, are prayerful and and when we give our hearts to God it, it, it fills the house where we live it fills our houses the disciples on the other hand they were indignant we had the religious leaders, and we had Mary, and then we had the disciples, and they were indignant, it says, and this sort of righteous, self-righteous anger, and especially a guy named Judas, who was one of the disciples. And their question was, you know, why this waste? Why this waste? Why are you wasting your life and wasting this thing that you had to offer? But you know what? It is never a waste to worship Jesus, and he called it beautiful. He said it was beautiful extravagant worship, giving him our very best and our love and our adoration. Today, I want to go, like I said, some more contrasts and look at this Mary, contrasting what Mary did with what Judas, who now comes to the forefront in the picture, has done and will do. One gives, Mary, she came and she gave to Jesus, right? She, all she wanted to do was give. But Judas, all he wanted to do was take. We also see in this passage we're going to look at today the, what's called the Last Supper, and also uh, we find in, in this passage the, what's called the Lord's Supper, and, which would then be followed by Gethsemane, where Jesus is praying in the garden, and also followed after that by his arrest. Now this is, this, the chronology of this now is, is basically this. It's, this is the day before the cross. The day before the cross. He would be arrested that night, and the next day he would be crucified. So this is where this is all happening now. And, and uh, you know, I don't think we can even fully comprehend and, and get a picture of the emotion and, and, and everything that's taking place where these disciples are together and, and the, uh, the, the, the things that are taking place. But look at verse 14. It says there that, Then one of the twelve, the one called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priests and asked, What are you willing to give me if I hand him over to you? So they counted out for him thirty silver coins. And from then on, Judas watched for an opportunity to hand him over. Judas Iscariot, it says he was one of the twelve, and that's kind of an important point that he was one of the 12. He was actually closer than Mary. 
He spent way more time with Jesus than Mary did. Mary, whenever she got an opportunity, she would be there at his feet spending time with him. But, but she did not have the opportunity that Judas did. Judas was with Jesus pretty much nonstop for about three years. I'm sure there were times when they weren't together. But he was there. He was closer than Mary. He lived with Jesus. He traveled with Jesus. He'd seen his miracles. He'd heard his teaching. He'd seen his sinless life. He'd even been sent out by Jesus, right, with authority and power to go out and, and, and uh, do incredible things. He was one of the twelve, Judas. Makes me think back to the last passage where they said, you know, why, you know, why this waste? Well, the waste, and, and Judas was probably at the forefront of that whole scenario and that whole, um, uh, you know, accusation. But really, Judas was with Jesus all that time. Why this waste? If there's any kind of a wasted life, it's, it's in the, the, the life of this guy Judas, right? I mean, to be so close to Jesus and yet so far. He was one of the twelve. What a wasted opportunity. Mary, on the, on the other hand, she saw this opportunity to, to get as close as she could to Jesus. Judas, on the other hand, he missed the opportunity. He was, he was already so close and, and he passed by, wasted that opportunity that he had. We talked a little bit last time about opportunities, and I think it's, it's here as well, this concept of opportunities, that, that they come up. Opportunities come up, and we need to jump on the opportunities. We need to take advantage of the opportunities and, and not just let them pass us by because we don't know what tomorrow holds. We don't know what kind of an opportunity we are going to have tomorrow or not going to have tomorrow. When you think about this guy, Judas, you know, he, he was there with Jesus day in and day out, and yet he did not belong to him. He didn't belong to him. The prophecy in uh, Psalm 41 about <clears throat> Judas even calls him a close friend. It says in Psalm 41, 9, Even my close friend whom I trusted, he who shared my bread has lifted up his heel against me. There was even a type of friendship between the two of them, yet there was something missing. Very, very, obviously a very large something missing, a relationship and a heart after Jesus. But to be a part of the group and, and, and you know, to be a part of a church, to be a part of, of a, a, a fellowship of people and, and yet not really be a part, is that possible? Do you think? Is it possible that you could come, you could go to church your whole life and, and yet still not have a, a heart after God? Is that possible? How could that be? You could be there every, every time the door is open and, 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 and be a part and listen and hear, see what God's doing, and, and yet there's something missing. Oh, God forbid that that would be for any of us, that, that we would miss. Be so close and yet so far. In 1 John, though, it says that, uh, he says this, Dear children, this is the last hour, and as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come. This is how we know it is the last hour. He says, They went out from us, but they did not really belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. But their going showed that none of them belonged to us. 
there, was, there were then, even then, uh, he's talking about end times and, and even uh, he's talking about future, but he's also talking about at that time, he said there were them that were part of the group, but they, they went out but they, because they didn't really belong to us. That's the question. Do we really belong to him? Of course, as we belong to him, we belong to each other in Jesus. He's, it says that he went to the chief priests there. We read that. And they asked, what are you willing to give me? Again, Mary gave, but Judas, he's wanting to take a very, very different heart. You could say, well, you know, that's, that's kind of just the sinful nature of man. We want, I want, I want, I need, I want, I want. And that's kind of who we are as sinfully human. But, but to be transformed by Jesus is what happened to Mary. She wanted to just give. Judas wasn't changed on the inside. And all he wanted was to see what he could get. Perhaps, perhaps people come to church because they want to see if they can get something. And, and, and don't misunderstand in terms of there are things that we need. We need peace from God. And, and, and to come to church because you are, you, you are, your heart is overwhelmed, as we sang in that song from Psalm 61, and, and you have come to receive peace from God because you're struggling in your life. And there's nothing wrong with that. But that's not what we see here with Judas, is it? Now, we saw last time the chief priests, they kind of wanted to wait because there was a, a huge, huge crowd of people because of Passover in the city of Jerusalem. He, they wanted to wait. So they wouldn't create a riot, but then this whole opportunity with Judas comes up and says, well, let's, maybe we should just take advantage. They saw an opportunity that they wanted to take advantage of. And what did they find? They found a, a traitor on the inside. You could say, well, maybe, maybe it was the love of money that, that motivated Judas, we know that the, the, the scripture says the love of the money is the, you know, the, the root of all kinds of evil and, and uh, you know, be careful that, that our hearts aren't taken by that because it will take us down paths and, 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 and uh, you know, can damage our faith. We already saw that, that he was upset with Mary because of what she had done and poured out that perfume to, to Jesus upon his head and upon his feet but it said because he used to help himself to what was in the bag, that's why he was so upset he was a thief. But you wonder too, again, somebody who, who was spending all this time with Jesus, uh, you, you, you could say that he actually sold out to Satan. He sold out to Satan. You, why do you say that? Because it says in, in chapter 22 of Luke that, that when this was all taking place, it said at a certain point in time, uh, while this was happening, it says Satan entered Judas. And then Judas went to the chief priests and the officers of the temple and discussed with them how he might betray Jesus. When this happened, he, he, Satan was actually living within him. I don't think Satan can just at will take over someone's life. I don't think Satan has that kind of power. It's the same with us and God. God's not going to take over our lives either unless we allow him to. But, but did he sell his soul? It's a good question. Someone said this, that the darkness of hell was flooding the heart of Judas Iscariot 
the jingle of money was sweeter than the bells of heaven. I don't know. Why did he betray Jesus? What was going on? There are a lot of theories. You can read about the different theories, but ultimately, ultimately, it was because he had no heart for God. He had no heart for God. And the things of this world, they held more sway. He, he didn't have a heart after God. That's the bottom line in it. So they counted out for him those 30 pieces of silver prophesied in the book of Zechariah. And 30 pieces of silver was basically about four months' wages. Right? Well, you, you may not know that, but you know it now. It was about four months' wages. How, how much was the perfume worth that Mary poured out upon Jesus? Anybody remember? About a year. Yeah. So he, he sells out for a much lower uh, um, amount to betray Jesus. And then he begins to look for that opportunity to hand him over. Mary, on the other hand, always looking for an opportunity to worship, to serve, to be at his feet. Always looking for an opportunity to spend time with him. Judas now looking for an opportunity to hand him over to the authorities. Now Jesus knew all about that. None of this took him by surprise. We have to, to know none of this surprised him. And, and uh, we'll get back to that in a minute. Look at verse 17. It says, On the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the disciples, they came to Jesus and they asked, Where do you want us to make preparations for you to eat the Passover? Now we have the Passover and we have the Feast of Unleavened Bread and the Passover would technically be the first day and then the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the, the following seven days. But the, the, the Passover and the uh, Feast of Unleavened Bread, they were celebrating their freedom. Freedom from what? From Egypt, from slavery in Egypt. They had no life in Egypt. And God set them free in uh, the celebration that they would have. They would celebrate it every year to remember what God had done for them. It was huge. And, and they, would they would celebrate these things and, and just to be reminded once again. And the, and the parents would tell the children, this is what happened. We were in bondage. We were in slavery in Egypt. But God set us free. And this is how he did it. This is what happened. And now as we celebrate these uh, this Passover and this feast, we're reminded of what God has done. Very much as we're going to see at the end of this passage as we celebrate the Lord's Supper, and we're reminded again and again of what God has done. Again, I want to uh, point your attention to the fact that it is no coincidence that the cross comes during this time, this time of Passover and unleavened bread, because Jesus, the Lamb of God, as John the Baptist said, that takes away the sin of the world. Let me read to you from Deuteronomy, though. Actually, why don't you turn back to me, uh, with me, uh, Deuteronomy chapter 16. Chapter 16. And verse 5. Gives us a little more um, background of what's going on in the city of Jerusalem and why... This is all happening there in the city of Jerusalem. It says in verse 5, You must not sacrifice the Passover in any town the Lord your God gives you, except 
in the place he will choose as a dwelling for his name, Jerusalem. And there you must sacrifice the Passover in the evening when the sun goes down on the anniversary of your departure from Egypt. Roast it and eat it at the place the Lord your God will choose. And then in the morning return to your tents for six days. Eat unleavened bread and and on the seventh day hold an assembly to the Lord your God and do no work. This is what was taking place now in the city of Jerusalem, this feast of the Passover and the feast of unleavened bread. And so the disciples said, you know, where do you want us to go to, to, to get ready for that? Because it took a lot of preparation. There were a lot of different elements that, that had to be prepared. It wasn't, you know, there, there were no stop and shops. They had to get all these things uh, from farmers or from uh, other merchants, and, and it wasn't easy. And again, because of the fact that Jerusalem was so filled with people, which made it more difficult to get what they needed, the supplies that they needed. But look at verse 18. Jesus replied, he said, Go into the city to a certain man and tell him, the teacher says, my appointed time is near. He says, I'm going to celebrate the, celebrate the Passover with my disciples at your house. So the disciples did as Jesus had directed them and prepared the Passover. Again, when you look and you read these words, Jesus knew exactly what was going on. He said, my my appointed time is near. That's why when you read about Jesus giving his life, it wasn't taken from him. He gave his life. He gave his life. Earlier in the book of John, you find this kind of language many times in John, but three passages I'll, I'll, I'll I'll uh, quote one in in John chapter 7. It says, At this time they tried to seize him, but no one laid a hand on him because his time had not yet come. They couldn't stop him. They couldn't do anything because his time had not yet come. But then in John chapter 12, he says, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. And he said, I tell you the truth, unless a kernel, kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies... It remains only a single seed, but if it dies, it produces many seeds. That's you and I today, the fruit of the hour that came. And then in John chapter 17, in his prayer, he said he he looked toward heaven, and he prayed, and he said, Father, the time has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. Jesus knew exactly what was going on. He wasn't surprised by anything. And so he sent his disciples to, to find this man. Now, how, was, how in the world were, were they going to find this man? One of the other passages says that he would be carrying water. They had some clues. And, and we don't know who this person was. Perhaps Jesus had arranged it earlier. We don't know. In other words, his, he's anonymous. We don't know his name. But Jesus knew him. But I think the fact that, that he played this role in this, this, what we call the Last Supper, the Supper at the Passover, that the last uh, Passover that Jesus would have there with his disciples, it was at his house. That's kind of cool, don't you think? You know, none of us are very famous. 
None of us, uh, you know, our names are well known around the, the state or the city or whatever else. But, but for us to be used by God and to be a part of His plan and His purpose and that He would spend time at our home, that's, that is incredible. Anonymous but important. This man opened up his home. The disciples, it says, they, they went and they did just what Jesus said. And, and uh, Mark tells us that when they went to the city, they found things just as Jesus had told them. It was just like he said, and it's always that way. If Jesus says for us to do something, he's going to prepare, he's going to make it happen, he's going to put it together. If Jesus is leading us in a certain direction, he's going to make the pieces all fit together because it's always going to be just as he said, because he's God. So they got the food for the, the meal ready, the lamb and the unleavened bread and the wine and the bitter herbs and the sauce. We could do a big study on each one of these because each one of them is significant. But moving on in verse 20, it says that, that when evening came, Jesus was reclining at the table with the twelve. He was reclining at the table with the twelve. Oh, man. What about the, the painting? You know, where you see him at the table there, big giant table, they're all sitting there. Well, that's just not right, is it? It's not accurate. I'm not sure who painted that. It's some famous painter, though. But he thought it would look better that way. It says, and while they were eating, verse 21, he said, I tell you the truth, one of you will betray me. One of you will betray me. And they were very sad, and they began to say to him, one after the other, surely not I, Lord. Surely not I, not me. You, you hear Jesus gives these words to them. He kind of, you know, maybe they were having a nice meal, and he kind of spoiled a meal for them, perhaps. The, the mood was kind of wrecked. One of you is going to betray me. But Jesus speaks truth into people's lives. And he speaks truth into my life. He speaks truth into your lives. And sometimes it isn't always pleasant. Sometimes it doesn't cheer us up and we always just want Jesus, Jesus, make me happy, make me, you know, all the good positive things. But he said, one of you is going to betray me. One of you needs to think about this. And, the, and he didn't say which one at that point in time. And so they had to kind of each search their own hearts. And, and, and I... I you know, you and I, we, we need to search our own hearts. Ask God to search us. Someone said it's, it's surprising that the disciples, didn't, they didn't point to one another and said, oh, it's probably him. It's probably, probably her. No, it's probably that one. Which I think sometimes we're pretty quick to do. We're, we're, we look around at someone else instead of what they each did was they said, Lord, what, you know, it's not me, is it? It's not me. And he says in verse 23, he says, Jesus replied, the one who has dipped his hand into the bowl with me will betray me. The one who has dipped his hand into the bowl with me will betray me. Now again, you have to kind of picture the way that they were reclining around this table and so they would kind of be all reclined around this, t this, this table where they were eating. And so you really... 
you can't, you're not going to be able to reach very far, so the person that you're the closest to is the one that you're going to be dipping into the bowl with, right? Some, some have even said they've studied the, the customs of how these things were put together. We know from another gospel that, you know, that John was at uh, where Jesus could, could like lean back, or excuse me, John could lean back right onto the chest of Jesus because Peter said, ask him which one it is. You remember that? And, and so it says he leaned back and he put his head against Jesus' chest and asked him. But some think that on the other side of Jesus would actually be the place of honor and that maybe even Judas had this place of honor. He had, he had a, a very special, important place. But someone else said this, that in that culture to eat with a person was tantamount to saying, I am your friend and I will not hurt you. And this fact made Judas's deed all the more despicable. It's kind of like that when we eat together. Hey, let's go have lunch together. You kind of like it. It's hard to have lunch with someone you don't like, that you don't have a good relationship with. You usually end up with heartburn because you're so tense through the whole thing, right? But when, but when you get along, it's like, man, that was so good. And you remember what you had, and, and it was something special about that meal you had together, Right? Breaking bread together. The one who's dipped his hand into the bowl with me will betray me, he said. Verse 24, he said, The Son of Man will go just as it is written about him. But woe to that man who betrays the Son of Man. It would be better for him if he had not been born. Wow. Wow. That's pretty heavy stuff, isn't it? You know, it, it tells us here that the Son of Man is, was going to be betrayed. He was going to be crucified. And we know he, he would also rise from the dead. These, this was God's plan. This was God's purpose. God was going to see to it that this happened. Why? Why did it have to happen? Salvation 101. Why did he have to die? to pay the price for our sins. There was no other way. And so this was God's plan. God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, His only begotten Son, that whoever would believe in Him wouldn't perish but ever, everlasting life. So He gave it. It was part of His plan. It was part of His purpose from, from time immemorial, really from the creation of the world. He knew that He was going to send His Son. It was His plan and His purpose. But look what he says here about Judas, who had a part of this. He says it would be better if he, if he had not even been born. There's, there is the plan and the sovereign purposes of God that we will be fulfilled, but, but there's also the, the responsibility of man that we are responsible for our actions and for our choices, our decisions. And we're going to be held accountable for them. Judas would be held accountable he would still have this responsibility for his actions do you understand what i'm saying does that make sense god had a plan and a purpose but judas was still responsible for his actions he speaks up finally it seems like he's the last one 
And look what he says in verse 25. He says, Then Judas, the one who would betray him, said, Surely not I, Rabbi. Do you notice anything there? Do you notice anything in his answer? He calls him Rabbi instead of Lord. The others had said, Surely not I, Lord. He says, Surely not I, Rabbi. Again, there's something very different. Something very missing in his relationship with Jesus. Oh, he's a good teacher. Rabbi means teacher. He's a good teacher, but he's not Lord. Surely not I, Rabbi. But Jesus answered and he said, yes, it is you. Yes, it is you, he said. You wonder, and again... As this all transpired, each of them were looking into their own hearts and saying, you know, it's, is it me? Is it me? And, and um, it, it appears that none of them really knew or suspected anything about Judas. It wasn't like, you know, that guy is pretty shady. Jesus, why do you have him with us? He's shady. Look at him. Jesus, you know, he knew all along, of course, that there was nothing hidden from him. But Judas, it just appears that Judas was living like another hidden life. He was part of that group. He was all involved in what was going on. He'd even go out on the mission trips with them. But his heart wasn't there. He was living another life on the inside that they knew nothing about. Could that happen? Can that happen to us? We can be living a completely another life and, and, and pulling the wool over everybody's eyes all around us. But it's not hidden from Jesus. He knew, yes, it's you, he said. In Hebrews it said, nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. He sees it all. There's nothing, there's nothing hidden from him. We might hide it from one another, but we're not going to hide it from Him. It's not possible to hide it from Him. It's not possible. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Some have said in this, in this interchange now with, with Judas, Jesus and Judas, that, that perhaps this was a final appeal, a final appeal to Judas, confronting him before he had actually done the deed. Yeah, he'd already gone and made these plans and everything, but he hadn't actually followed through to, to, to betray Jesus to those authority, authorities. Confronting him with his, with his plan, his purpose, you say, oh, could he have turned? Is this an appeal to him? I don't know, I want you to turn back with me to the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 4. Genesis chapter 4 is the right after the fall of man, right after sin enters the world in Genesis chapter 3. In Genesis chapter 4, I want you to see something there. In Genesis chapter 4, verse 6. You know the two sons, Cain and Abel. And there was some issue about the offerings that they brought, and, and one of them's heart was not right, which was Cain. His heart wasn't right in what he had done, and 
and we can see uh, similarities between uh, offerings uh, with what we're talking about today. But in verse 6, it says, The Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must master it. You see that? Sin's crouching at the door. It says it desires to have you, but you must master it. There was a, he had an opportunity. The Lord came to him and said, listen, Cain, don't do what you're about to do. You don't have to go out and do what you're about to do because he was very, very angry. You know, we know what happens. He went out and did it, didn't he? What did he do? He went out and killed his brother. He didn't listen to the word of God. He didn't listen to God's voice to him. Say, could that have happened? And now in our, in our context here with Judas, God knows for sure. Had he gone too far? Again, we, we read Satan had entered into him. Another place we see Satan didn't just stay there all the time. Another place we read he entered into him again. So he kind of came and went at will, it seems. But I don't know about you, but I've heard testimonies of people whose hearts were sold out to Satan who finally turned around and gave their lives to Jesus Christ and their lives were transformed and changed completely and totally. God is powerful. and God can change lives. Jesus in John chapter 13, he he said, you know, it is, the one, it, is, it is the one to whom I will give this bread when I have dipped it in the dish. And then dipping the bread in the dish, he gave it to Judas. And as soon as Judas, uh, Judas took the bread, Satan entered into him. And what you are about to do, do quickly, Jesus told him. But no one at the meal understood why Jesus said, to, said this to him. And since Jesus, uh, Judas had charge of the money, some thought Jesus was telling him, him to buy what was needed for the feast or to give something to the poor. And as soon as Judas had taken the bread, it says he went out and it was night. As soon as he took that bread, kind of in this situation here, as soon as it came clear, it says he went out and it was night. He made a choice and he followed through with his choice. He went out and it was dark. It was night. No street lights. No light outside. It was dark. It was night. So the last little part of this passage here, these last few verses we're going to look at here, where Jesus institutes what we call the Lord's Supper. Again, this is the, at, the, at the time of the Last Supper, and he's instituting the Lord's Supper. Judas has now left. He's gone out. He's going to do what he's going to do. He's not going to listen. He's not going to... Uh, uh, Listen to the heart of Jesus for him and for his life. Verse uh, 26, it said, While they were eating, Jesus took bread, and he gave thanks, and he broke it, and he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body. Then he took the cup, and he gave thanks, and he offered it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is the blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. For the forgiveness of sins. Again, he's instituting this 
uh, remembrance, Paul tells us that we need to do this whenever you, when you, whenever you eat to, to remember the Lord's death until He comes. Jesus is, is giving us this picture, it's an, and it's a symbolic picture, you know. He's saying that this is my body and this is my blood. Is it actually physically His body and blood? No, He was still sitting right there. How could it be? Right? It's, it's symbolic. It's symbolizing the blood and the body, the body that was broken and given to His disciples. That's what He said. He said, take and eat. He, this is my body and I'm giving it to you and for you. The same with the cup. Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood. I'm giving it to you. Pour it out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Finally, in verse 29 and 30, he says, I tell you the truth. I tell you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. He ends with a promise. He talks about his death, his body, and his blood. But he ends with a promise. He says that there's a day coming when we're going to share together again in the Father's kingdom. That blessed hope that we've talked about uh, through the, the previous chapters that God has a plan and a purpose. The kingdom of God is, is coming, that we will be together forever and ever with him face to face and then they sung a hymn, and they went out to the Mount of Olives. You say, well, I wish I knew what song they sang. Well, there were certain songs they would sing at the time of the Passover, uh, from Psalms 115 through Psalms 118. They most likely sang those songs. But I like what someone said. He said, this is the only time it is recorded that Jesus sang when he was under the shadow of the cross. He knew what was going to happen, but he could sing the Hallel Psalms, Psalms of Hallelujah, Psalms of Praise, because he knew what was going to happen. But he also knew about the resurrection, and he knew about relationship, and he, he knew about what, they, what he had just promised them, that we would be together anew, sharing. So, we have all these different personalities. We have the Jewish authorities. We had Mary. We had uh, the disciples. We had Judas. But most importantly, we have Jesus and the love of God, the love of Jesus Christ. He loved Judas, you know. He didn't hate Judas. He loved him. He felt bad, I think, you know, that Judas had, had taken this path. The question for you and for me is always, do we belong to Him? Number one, do we belong to Him? Have we given ourselves to Him so that we belong to Him and He belongs to us? Or perhaps we're leading a double life. Maybe we've even deluded ourselves into thinking that we belong to Him, but we really don't because we have this whole other life that we're leading. Say, that couldn't happen here, not at Calvary Chapel. No, that couldn't happen. Well, it, it has happened, and it does happen. Each one of us need to come to him for washing and forgiveness that comes through the cross, that we might have that future and that hope. I think he's appealing to us. 
I think he's making his appeal to us, to you and to me. Come. We see it in Revelation chapter 3. He says, come and, and sup with me. Come and, and share with me. Come and be a part of me. Let's pray together, shall we?